Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, Trenton Biz with you as we take a look back. Is the Iowa offensive surge back in a big-time way? Is it real? We'll talk about that, break things down, and, of course, get ready for Wisconsin. How do the Hawkeyes beat those stinking Badgers? We'll get into that. We'll talk some basketball as Iowa moves to 1-0. Oh, it is another tomato can in front of them coming up on Friday night before the real season begins. And Biz is beat along with our picks this week presented by Bet Online. That's all today. On Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back with you once again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. And you can see us hanging out here. I'm in the work studio. Biz is working from home today, it looks like. And we are available for you as well on YouTube while you're there. Hit the subscribe button, excuse me. And uh, Vegas still keeping up with me here. A little slow getting around the last couple of days, Biz. How you doing? Good. I didn't go to Vegas. I feel like my <laughs> liver is probably doing a lot better than yours, so. No doubt about it. Well, a great one there and had an opportunity to watch the game poolside from Stadium Swim at Circa. Boy, what a great experience that was and had a lot of fun there, but it's not about Vegas. It's a look forward and one final look back at last week to see what we believe is real with the Iowa offense. This episode of Lockdown Hawkeyes is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Hawkeyes and the Badgers right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. You'll see the game as it is on FS1, and they have that on Sling TV. But before we look forward, Biz, a look back at Iowa and the win against Purdue, 24-3, to and that's what Iowa football is supposed to look like, Biz. Yeah, two weeks in a row, Trent. I mean, if you had to create a formula for Iowa football, I think uh, what they would say is we, we want to be balanced with run and pass, and we, we'd like to have probably somewhere around 200 yards in both those categories, and that's exactly what's happened uh, two weeks in a row here. You know, you know, I, I know there's the, the negative Iowa fans out there say, well, it's just Northwestern, it's just Purdue, but you know what? I don't care who we play. You, you beat two Big Ten opponents back-to-back in the dominating fashion that we just did. That's something to celebrate. I mean – winning's not easy. Hell, Ohio State was uh, held to, what, 150 yards through through three quarters by Northwestern. And we've made it look really easy the last two weeks. So uh, lots of positives. It's, uh, you know, the question is, are, are, is it a mirage or, or is this offense legitimately turned the corner and uh, is a capable offense going forward? Yeah, it's funny. And, yes, opponents matter there. I, I think that does matter. And it doesn't make that suddenly everything is figured out, that everything's great. And we just keep rolling forward and nothing needs to change. Nothing needs to evolve because big picture, you still got blown out by Ohio state. You still got beat by Michigan. You still to make, take that next step with this elite level defense. You want to see the offense actually be complimentary and do the things that, you know, you've tried to do in the past. And, you know, I, uh, I saw some things about what they've done up front with the offensive line and a little bit more in, in fact, combination blocking where you'd have one side, where you're doing your standard zone blocking. And then on the backside where we've talked about this before, you can't cut block like you could before in college football that has changed and going more man on that side of the football. I I thought, you know, a a breakdown of that was really interesting to see how Iowa is changing at least a a little bit of the philosophy that they're trying to do. It's still the base. 
it's still his own offense, but it's doing some more of the NFL concepts that you see a lot of teams do, where it's not across the board. All five guys trying to move in unison in the zone blocking, but a, a combo kind of block. And whatever it is, I'm not an offensive line guru. It certainly has worked. And Caleb Johnson, I, I've been screaming since the Nevada game. We need to continue to pound the rock with him. He is your most talented playmaker. And thank goodness Brian Ferris has been listening to the Lock On Hawkeyes podcast. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it goes, I mean, again, I'm like you, I'm not smart enough to know what's been changed on the offensive line, but it, it's a freaking miracle what's happened over the last couple of weeks because we, we went from junior high level offensive line play to, to looking like one of the better offensive lines Iowa's had in, in the last few years. And, you know, but I think it goes even further. I mean, Caleb Johnson's obviously been a huge, a huge part of the offense, but you know, across the board, Spencer Petras has played two really good games in a row, and, and he just looks like a different quarterback right now, just from a confidence level. I mean, he just hit his. I mean, I'm I'm amazed after that Ohio State game that he was able to to turn the page and move on and play the well as well as he has. I really thought that Ohio State game was was the end for him. I mean, you. Yes. you he looked, he looked rattled. He, he was in just atrocious passes. He looked like it was just, it was time to turn the page. And so you know, he's played well, plus wide receivers. I mean, I sat on here after the Ohio State game and said, you could make an argument that we have, you know, the worst quarterback room, the worst wide receiver room, and the worst offensive line room in, in Power Five. And since I said that, all three of them, uh, all three of those groups have played above average. And that's, mm-hmm. You know, the fact of the matter is, Trent, when you're talking Iowa football and, and you're talking about an offense that's above average, we're, we're going to be in every football game. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the Iowa way we've talked about before. You know, we're going to win 75 to 80 percent of our games if our offense just doesn't, you know, doesn't trip over its own feet. And the last two weeks, not only have they not tripped over their own feet, but they've been, uh, you know, they've been more than capable. So, yeah, there's a lot to like, and yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot more fun talking about that than talking about historically inept. Uh, you know, just you know, can we can we be an all-time bad offense? So, you know, we'll find out. I mean, this week, this week is really your barometer because mm-hmm. you know, Wisconsin's had our number for years. Even the times we have had above-average offenses, we've went and you know, they've just dominated us. So, you know, can, can we can we put up 300 plus yards against Wisconsin? You know, we'll find out on Saturday, I guess. Still 129th in the country in offense. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden there's still a big picture look at this and there's still struggles. And you're right. This is a big step up in competition. We'll get into the matchup a little bit more with the Badgers. You mentioned Spencer Petras too, much maligned. And we're not alone in the criticism that he has had. Obviously the Boo Birds that we've heard so many times in Kinnick Stadium that really came to a crescendo a couple of different times this year. The mental toughness to be able to stick it out to continue to go down and continue to work by Spencer Peters. He's got a lot of faults as a quarterback, but as a person, this is the reason, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys on the beat and they say it's, it was so difficult at the beginning of the year because he is one of the best people that has gone through the Iowa program and to rip him down, to tear him down for the people that work through him you know, on a day-to-day basis. They said it was difficult because he is truly one of the good guys in there as bad of a quarterback. And as bad as he was at the beginning of the year, that's what makes it difficult. And ultimately, probably what made it tough on Brian and Kirk and, and to pull the string because it's more than just what we see for the 60 minutes each and every Saturday. There's a whole lot more that goes into it and personality leadership. Those kind of qualities are, are things that maybe we kind of skew aside, but they matter and they certainly matter in the Iowa program. Well, and no matter what he does, there's a certain, 
percentage of our fan base that's never, ever going to like him and is never going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And that includes some some well-known members of our fan base. I don't know if you – I don't, you may be friends with Chris Hassel, and, and maybe if you are, I, I apologize, but that guy pisses me off. He, uh, <laughs> you know, what Spencer Petra said in his postgame conference, especially if you listen to how he said it, A, was 100% accurate, and B, wasn't controversial at all. I mean, what he said was that everybody buried us a couple weeks ago, and, he, and that we did. Everybody mm-hmm. did. Yeah. And that the people that didn't bury him were the people in the room, and that they're continuing to play week to week, and, and they're – continuing to battle week to week and, and that's what they're doing and then you get a guy at castle who just comes out with a generic i'm not a fan of this i mean i just you know what maybe you shouldn't be a fan of the program i mean you're, you're supposed to be representative of the program if you're going to whine about everything he does you know maybe just enjoy it for once and, and you know it, i don't know I, I just it drives me nuts because spencer patris you may not like him as a quarterback that's fine but if you don't like him as a person or if you think he was trying to go listen to the actual quote. It was mm-hmm. as non-controversial as possible. And you try to drum up a controversy that's just not there. So that kind of stuff drives me nuts because he, he is a good kid and his, his quote wasn't in any way trying to, to put anybody down. It was, it was trying to compliment the room. It was trying to compliment the fact that the people that are, that matter, the players and the coaches didn't quit on this team. And that's why we're here right now. I mean, you and I buried this team a couple weeks ago. Everybody did, and rightfully so. We looked like crap. But now that we're playing better, you got to give credit to the people that have made us better, and Spencer Petras is a huge part of that. So I don't, the whole thing just – it really gets under my skin that there's a certain certain part of our fan base that no matter what is just always going to bitch and moan. And yeah. if you're going to bitch and moan the last two weeks, then I talked about last week, go find a new hobby because – this has been a fun couple weeks and I'm excited for this week. Yeah. Wisconsin week's always fun. And oh, it's a, you know, are we going to win the big 10 West? Probably not, but we still got a chance. And this game is basically, yep. a, it's an elimination game. The winner's still alive. And that's, that's all you can play for at this point, move forward and, you know, hope for the best the next three weeks. And we'll know going into the game, two thirty kickoff on FS1. You can get it on sling TV. What happens in the early game with Purdue and Illinois? And if Purdue can pull the upset against the Illini, that game becomes even greater importance. And we'll talk about that Wisconsin game. We'll break down the matchup coming up here. But yes, there is still a path for Iowa to get the Big Ten West and stop with the loser mentality. Oh, we're just going to go get blown out again. No, give yourself a shot. I haven't won a Big Ten title since 2004. It's a 60-minute football game. Yes, you're going to be a decided underdog against Michigan or Ohio State. At least go in there and give yourself a chance. And if you get blown out, so be it but I don't like that loser mentality that certainly seems to be permeating a portion of the fan base and, and maybe one you're talking about right there. All right, Biz, as uh, we roll through here, we'll talk about the Badgers. That's as we continue here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries, package thefts, they spike nationally. That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. I have it around my home, both in the front and the back. Professional monitoring, the security cameras, high-tech sensors. If something else goes wrong, they have you covered and share a time right now with Simply Safe. They will help you out in anything that can happen. Got burglaries, you have those thieves coming to grab packages. They have you covered with 
was simply safe. The best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report. Third year in a row. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on today. This is their biggest discount of the year. Don't want to wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Biz rolling through here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen today. Bucky Badger. We talked last week. Purdue had not been a fun matchup here recently. And the Bucky matchup. So there's been times where I've come into this game and just thought, this is the year. This is the time that it's going to happen. I, I know they won the game in 2020. Of course, 2015 with the stepped-on-foot quarterback fumble leading to the 10-6 win in that one. Outside of that, though, haven't been a whole lot of fun moments, and there's been some ugly ones. 66 yards of total offense in the loss right after putting 55 up on Ohio State. There's been some ugly ones. Why is this week going to be different? Outside of maybe Wisconsin's not the same team. Well, yeah, that's a good question. And, and you know, anytime we talk historical numbers, let, let, let's turn to Stat Boy. I got him some info to from him. But, you know, the amazing thing to me, Trent, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and she she's 13 years old. And in that time period, we have not beaten Wisconsin in front of an actual crowd in Kinnick. we we won there in the COVID year but the last time we won at Kinnick against the Badgers go all the way back to Sean Green 2008 Mm -hmm. that's a long time so uh you know and this seems like the most no-duh statement of all time Trent but what it comes down to is whoever runs the ball better between Iowa and Wisconsin wins the games and that's what I had stat boy look into so you're ready to you're ready to dig into the rushing numbers because they really are pretty amazing I'm going to guess there's going to be some glittering ones here. What did Stat Boy dig up? So what I had Stat Boy dig up was, was I actually had him go back 20 years. Um, the last 20 years since 2002, which was kind of when, when we turned the corner. Because before that, late 90s, they had Ron Dane, and we we were still rebuilding. So those are some some, some ugly, ugly games. But from 2002 to 2022, you're looking at a 20-year stretch. We're 8-10 and 10 in that stretch. So it doesn't sound that bad, but mm-hmm. – we're four and 10 since 2006. So, but when you look at those 18 games since 2002, you know, the running numbers really tell you the story because those 18 games in 17 of the 18, the team that ran for more yards won the game. Easy enough. The only, the only time it didn't happen, we won in 2009, and both teams just didn't run the ball well. We gained 65 yards rushing, they gained 87. So, the only time. Someone didn't get to 100, but the other 17 times, the team that ran the ball better won the game. So it, it's pretty simple, but and we'll we'll get into the numbers a little more here. We just that way broke them down for me, which is gets really impressive. But you know, especially the last 10, 15 years, it's pretty simple. We just haven't been able to stop Wisconsin from running the football. Yeah, that's the the number the numbers are pretty telling you ready to see talk about how how dominating wisconsin has been running the ball against us well i can uh, remember one game with melvin gordon going nuts in that one and a few others but what do you got well we'll start we'll start with the positives trent in our eight wins wisconsin has ran for 78 171 41 19 158 87 86 and 56 if you break it down, in our eight wins, they've averaged 87 yards a game and 2.5 yards a carry. So wow. yeah, I mean, we, we stopped the run, we beat them. 
<laughs> but then you all the flip side that this is crazy. In their 10 wins, they ran for 143, 166, 142, 218, 266, 167, 247, 210, 300, and 166. So they ran for at least 140 every time they beat us. They ran at least, and this is the crazy thing, at least 42 times every game. So they just pounded it down our throat, basically. <laughs> They've averaged 4.5 yards a carry and 202.5 yards a game. So it, it just comes down to toughness. I mean, Wisconsin's been the tougher team than us the last 14 matchups, and they deserve to win the games because they've ran the ball unbelievably well. It's The numbers are, like I said, going into this, I knew what we are going to find out, which is that they ran the ball well, but they're, they're even better than I thought. I mean, over 200 yards a game, over you know, over 4.5 yards a carry when they win. I mean, those are numbers I mean, nobody runs for 200 yards against Iowa, and they're averaging over 200 yards against us in their last 10 wins. So pretty simple. Stop the run. We got a good chance on Saturday. Pretty simple. And looking at the numbers this year for the Badgers, they are 42nd in the country in rush offense, 183 yards per game. So you know, holding them under 100 obviously be great, but – they're still very limited in the past game with Graham Mertz. Now, 125, 130, that's probably a fair number to kind of shoot for there. Hold him in that range. You got a chance. And then on top of it, you got to run the football yourself. Yeah. Well, and that's looking at the numbers. If we hold him under 140, we got a great chance. I mean, in six out of eight wins we've had, we held him under 140 yards. And, and you know, 10 out of the 12 times that they got over above 140, they, they won. So mm-hmm. keep him under 140 and you got a chance because. They, they've just been more committed to the run than us also. The, the yeah. last stat here, in the since 2006, they're 10-4 and four against us. In those 14 games, they've ran the ball more, just more carries than us, every single time except for that 2009 game, which, again, goes back to we ran for 65 yards, they ran for 87. Neither team could run the ball. The other 13 times, they just committed to the run, and they ran the ball at least 30 times every game. And like I said, in the wins, at least 40 times every game. So they're going to run it. There's no trick to this. Graham Mertz was five for 18 last week. They have zero confidence in Graham Mertz. Yeah. They're going to run it. They're going to run it some more. And we got to stop it. I mean, it, it's that simple. I mean, can we? I don't know. I mean, we haven't in the past consistently, yeah. but I, I like our chances at least because, you know, this defense has been phenomenal right now. And so, and, and like you said, this is a, this is not a great Wisconsin team either. And Jay Higgins, that guy, the way that he has evolved this year, he he just looked like a guy, right? A guy out there, he'll help out a little bit, but he's a special teamer. He has really played well the last couple of weeks. I know Jack Campbell did not grade out last week well from pro football focus. He was all over the field, missed a couple of tackles, but overall I thought he played a really good game. Linebacker's going to have to be ready. And, and the depth of this defensive line, where everybody seemingly is making plays right now, that gives you some excitement too. I, Iowa has not had, I don't think, this deep of a line going into Wisconsin, maybe an opportunity to be a little bit fresh. And, and when you see those big plays that happen, and Braylon Allen, he can certainly hit them you know, in the third or fourth quarter. Maybe a fresher D-line is going to help out a little bit on top of it. Can, can you please refer to Higgins as only Hawk, 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 please? Only Hawk, Hawk, Hawk. Absolutely. He is Mr. Hawk, Hawk, Hawk. And he's play, he's, uh, Hawk, Hawk, Hawk's son is playing very, very well at this point in time. Anything else on Bucky? No, I don't think so. I mean, if – 
you know, honestly, Trent, if we can't beat them on Saturday, when the heck are we going to beat them? Because yeah. they're they're not very good right now, and, and we're certainly trending in the right direction. And you know, the fact of the matter is, with, with Jim Leonard, they're not going to stay down for long. I mean, he's a good coach. They're going to be right back to where they were again, and, and they're starting to get there already. But uh, you know, this is a down year for them. We get them at home. We we got to beat them on Saturday. With that, we go from football into some basketball. Iowa 1-0 after the win against Bethune-Cookman. Another tomato can coming up on Friday night before the season begins. They go on the road next week to Seton Hall. We'll talk some hoops. We'll make our picks against the spread this week. That's as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. All right, we're going to pause the podcast here for just a second. And we're going to let you know about something that is going on right now. I got these in my home. They are built bars. Great new flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. They got, of course, with Christmas around the corner. How about this? White chocolate peppermint granola. It's built's take on a granola bar. It's more filling and tasty. Candy corn, candy cane brownie puff. Built puffs are built like building into just the most delicious cloud. They are incredible. My kids like them. My wife likes them. I like them. And they can help you out in so many different ways. If you're looking for a snack after the gym, if you're just looking for a snack or something to keep the kids quiet, they will help you out with that. 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and low sugar and calories, 130 calories in each built bar. Just sink your teeth into that first bite. It'll change you forever. Great flavors, most wonderful time of the year. It's right around the corner. You can get a mix box with all flavors in them, all five of them going on right now. Built, you want to try this, get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15. That's built.com. Sound good, Biz? Sounds delicious, Trip. I'm going to go get me some Built Bars. Are. They're really good, and I'm not joking. We we got them at home, and got a box of that which is always a good thing we, we love when we get the freebies and, and built does a great job so well a little protein for that basketball Look, team I haven't, got, I haven't gotten squat for freebies from this show yet i keep waiting for my my simply safe system to show up soon my, my, my superpower deodorant my, my built bars nothing trent not a soon. single thing yet so it, it'll be coming soon that's what boner used to say it'll, it'll be yeah, happening exactly. soon yes so. just wait just wait it's right around the corner let's get into hoops and boy philip Robracha. I want to start right there. I, I know Tony Perkins, you know my love of TP. He is, he's good. But Rabracha is showing more offensively. I went back and looked at the game log last year. It took him till January before he scored in double digits a year ago. And you could tell through a lot of the season, he was really just trying to maybe find his way. It wasn't quite the same guy that maybe we were hoping for and anticipated. He's undersized as a center. There's going to be matchups that he struggles with, but his offensive, I don't want to say explosion, but what we see in the exhibition game and then last week, I know it's not against great centers, but it gives you hope that you can have some semblance of a post game where you know, Chris is not Keegan. He's a different kind of player, and he's not going to be the same post guy that we had a year ago, that there's going to be some post scoring, and it's going to come from Philip Racha. You can make a strong argument that Philip Racha is, is the most important player on our team, and that the reason for that argument is that there's just no backup behind him. Okay. Yeah. My takeaway from that first game, Trent, is we're one, we're a backup post player away from being a really, really good basketball team. I mean, they're already a good basketball team, but, uh, you know, Robracha is going to have to stay out of foul trouble. He's going to have to be an offensive, you know, he's, he's never going to be our first choice, but he's going to have to be, you know, a serviceable offensive player because the options behind him 
are slim and none. Mm-hmm. Agundale is just not a Division One basketball player, and, and Riley Mulvey clearly has. The, you know, there's no confidence in him whatsoever. He didn't even play until, you know, they're up by 50. So, you know, like it or not, Abracha is going to have to play 30, 32 minutes a game. You're, you know, and it, fortunately, the Big Ten doesn't have as many uh, dominant post players as it's had in the past. And, and it, it won't be quite as glaring from time to time. But, uh, yeah, it's – we're going to need him because he is he's the only true post presence this team has. But he certainly looked – he looked confident and he looked uh, – I think last year he he never – like you said, for most of the year he didn't really know his role and he wasn't sure <laughs> what he'd be doing. He certainly looked like he he's embracing and knows what his role is now. And that's, you know, take your six to eight shots a game, be the, be the main rebounder, you know, do, do the little things and get, get the points when they're there. And, and uh, he certainly looked at a, a confidence that wasn't there at the start of last year. Good news there. Tony Perkins, the point guard. Is this full-time? Do you see TP being the starter for the full season? I see him being the starter for the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, as Fran showed last year, I mean, if things go downhill, he'll, he'll make a change. But, uh, I mean, DeSante Bowen looks certainly capable. He's got some skills, but he doesn't look Big Ten ready either. He's, he's pretty skinny. He, he looks, you know, doesn't have a great shot. I mean, I just don't see him playing more than, I don't know, 8 to 10, 12 minutes a game, most games. And so, yeah, I, I think it's you – know, he, he's – the one thing he does, boy, I mean, with having Jabo at, at point guard over the years, we were always a, a liability on the defensive end. But you don't have that with Perkins. That guy mm-hmm. – you know, having a defensive point guard is certainly a benefit and he's going to, he's going to embrace that part of it. So, so yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, will it be the whole year? I don't know, but for at least, at least up till uh big 10 season starts up. You know, the one thing I do wonder that second unit, now that Sanford's in the starting lineup where a lot of people thought maybe he would be a guy off the bench and really help the scoring of that second unit. Now Connor continues to shoot the ball like he did late last season and into this season that changes it. But if Connor's not shooting the ball well, that second unit, there just isn't a whole lot of scoring there. And and I guess that would be the concern. So Sanford, you want to have him out there. He's an offensive playmaker. But if you do make the change, you go say Eulis becomes your starter at the point. You put Perkins at the two, Sanford coming off the bench. Maybe that's something that they could do to add a little bit of punch to that second unit. But overall, I, I like this team. I like the way that they're built. And well, it's kind of the inverse of what we talk about football wise. But I think just be okay defensively. And with Perkins and with Ulysses and with Robracha, what he can do, and of course Chris Murray and his length, and and on and on and on, if this team can just be top fifty. You know, Ken Palm defensively, you know they're going to be in the top ten, top fifteen at minimum offensively. This team has a chance to be not just a a good team, but maybe even a more consistent winner during Big Ten play. Well, and I think we're going to see with that second unit. I hope at least. I hope we don't try to play ten deep this year. I think this is a team that needs to play eight, maybe nine deep. And what you do with that second unit, and I think what we saw at least a little bit in the first game, is that you keep you keep Chris Murray out there with that second unit, and you let him play the first ten minutes of the half or whatever. And, and he's he goes from being, you know, one of three or four scorers in that first unit to being your number one option scorer with the second unit. And then you know, when you went to the full second unit and you had a Gundelay and, and Bowen and Euless all in, boy, where the hell are the points going to come from? And so I don't, I, I, that's going to happen against your, against your Bethune Cookmans of the world. But I, I hope when we get to the, the games that really matter that we narrow that rotation down 
And you're talking about an eight-man rotation instead of a 10-man rotation. Right. And then you, you keep guys like Sanford or Murray in so that you've got a, a, another scoring option with that second unit. Well, next Wednesday, it is the real season. Friday night against North Carolina A&T, and then Wednesday on the road against Seton Hall. Ken Palm uh, currently has Iowa one-point underdog in that yeah. game against the Pirates. Disappointing, Trent. You, with, with that kind of schedule, you really don't have an opportunity to go on your, your annual rant about our, our, our poor schedule. You really... Oh, see, that that has gone that went away years ago. As soon as they changed. Oh, that's me, yes. I no, 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 no. You got to listen because I, I am willing to admit when I was wrong. I was not wrong when we had the RPI. When the RPI went away and we moved to this system, what you have to do when you play these teams, it's fine to play them, but you got to kick the crap out of them. In fact, it helps your efficiency and what they measure now when you beat these teams by 35, 40 points, it actually does help to play these crappy teams as long as you kick the crap out of them. That does help. So, no, that has changed. I've evolved. See, I'm a willing to change. I'm not Chris Hassel. I, I'm willing to admit when I was wrong. I was not wrong at that time, but I was wrong with the new system. That just seems like poor sportsmanship by the NCAA, Trent. They're, they're, they're encouraging blowouts, boy. Well, and the funny thing is, you know, it's capped at 10 points when it comes to margin of victory. That's true but it still also measures offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And when you're scoring 110 points against a crappy team, that helps you that aside. So, Hey, look at me talking math over here. All right, biz, let's wrap things up here and uh, let's get into our picks for the week presented by bet online. As we get into it, Iowa, of course, uh, taking on Wisconsin. That thing is uh, floated around a little bit. It was pick them when I was at Circa over the weekend. I've seen uh, today, Wisconsin favored by a point, big game of the week where game day will be. It'll be, TCU on the road at Texas, and then our pick of the week. Let's start with the national game. I'm laying the points here. This line just stinks to high heaven. There's no way TCU should be a touchdown underdog. And when there's a stinky line, you got to go with it. Give me Texas. I'll lay the touchdown. Yeah, we, we, we've been doing this too long together, because <laughs> I 100% agree. That, that, there's no reason Texas should be favored by seven. So you got to go with it. Give, give me Texas minus seven as well. We're both going to lay it. Yes, you're exactly right. We've, uh, well, we've gambled for a very long time and we've uh, seen plenty of these lines. All right, let's go to pick number two, national game of the week. What, or what's your favorite pick of the week was jumping off the board. Give me the Mizzou Tigers, Trent. Uh, they're getting 21 against the Tennessee team. That, that's got to be licking its wounds after, after last week. You look at Mizzou, they are, they are a competitive football team. Are they a good team? No, but they, two things. One, they have good defense and two, they, they battle against everybody. They battle against Georgia. They, they have blown a couple bad losses in there. But Tennessee's going to win the game. But I, I think Tennessee's going to struggle a little bit. They're going to have a hangover after last week. So I think similar to the, the Georgia game, I think Mizzou gives them, gives them a scare for a half and, and stays within 21. So give, give, me, a, give me Mizzou plus 21. I got a, a similar theory than you and in the same conference. I'm going down to Arkansas. Give me the Razorbacks. Woo, pig suey. What is that and line? The- that line really stinks. Uh-huh. It absolute Ooh. reeks. LSU, of course, after the win against Alabama. Arkansas coming in off a loss against Liberty. This thing just stinks to high heaven. I'm going to grab the points. Give me the field goal and Arkansas with my pick of the week. We wrap things up with Arkansas Iowa. will be delighted. Yes, she will. Well, certainly if it comes to fruition. We wrap things up here. I'm looking across the board. Uh, Iowa right now, they are a one-point dog at Circa. Well, let's see. Bet Online has a one-and-a-half. So one, one-and-a-half is the number out there. The total sits at 35 uh, across the board right now. Almost consensus. There's 134-and-a-half out there. Low total. Where are you going, Biz? Badgers in Kinnick Stadium. 
I, I really, really want to take Iowa. I, I, I genuinely think we're a better team than them. I, I, but I just keep coming back to the same thing, Trent. It's Jim Leonard versus Brian Ferentz, and that just scares the shit out of me because I, I think Leonard's a, a, a really, really good coordinator, and I think he'll make a really, really good head coach for him, assuming they, they choose to take the interim tag off. And Leonard, Leonard just has our number, and Wisconsin has our number. So uh, this is one of those where give, give me the Badgers, and, and I, I hope uh, I hope. Hope to got him wrong. So whatever it is, minus one, plus one, whatever, get, give me the Badgers. And we are in the same line of thinking here. I said it last week, uh, Purdue, though you you talked me into it by the end of the week, and thank you for that, as I was much more optimistic going into the game against Purdue. Still got to see it here. And it's not just a, a five-year blip here. This has gone a lot longer than that against Bucky. I got to see it. I'm uh, also going to play, I think, the under this week. is sitting at, like I said, 35, uh, 34 and a half right in that range. Just got to continue to play those unders with Iowa games, and those continue to cash. Those are our picks of the week brought to you by Bet Online. Find the latest odds, news, and scores online at Bet Online. All right, Biz, wrapping things up. It is time once again for Business Beat. Trent, Business Beat this week it has to do with Iowa high school football. As you know, the, uh, the Dome games start this afternoon. I was looking at those games today. Man, uh, your part of the state has become an absolute domination and juggernaut of high school football. What, what the heck is wrong with the, the eastern part of the state? I, I looked at it. Basically, it, it's Williamsburg and Mount Vernon, and that's about it for, for our side of the state. So uh, 5A is pretty much uh, – you know, they might as well just move, move, move the 5A semifinals over and play them at a Drake Stadium or something because uh, it's a waste of time having everybody travel all the way over to this side of the state. But uh, so tip of the ball cap to the old uh, Des Moines metro area. You guys are dominating high school football right now. Yeah, Johnston makes their first ever run to the semifinals in the big school class. They made it back in the day, back when they were a 3A program. But since they have grown their first ever trip to the Unidome. And uh, yeah, it's just not the Dowlings and the Valleys of the world. It, it goes a whole lot deeper than that. You got both Ankeny schools, both Waukee schools, as the splits happen there. And I saw a coach, and I can't remember who it was. It was one of the Cedar Rapids coaches, though, that – had mentioned, you know, we got to invest. These programs are investing. They're investing, investing in not just their football programs, but athletics in general. And if you're going to compete with the suburban schools here in Des Moines, you're going to have to do it with them. And there's something to be said about that because I go to the facilities. I walk around. I've been in those high schools calling games all the time. And and to see their weight rooms compared to what we had back in the day, it's, and, and you see it, of course, with, with your kids going through the Liberty District. It's it's just a completely different world that is happening right now. And, and the suburban schools, they have made that investment in a big-time level. Even you know, the older ones like Valley. You know, they've had the same high school for decades now, but the investment that they make in the weight facilities and on and on and on, it's just a different level. Well, you, you mentioned Johnston. It's funny. My, my junior year of high school, 1994, Johnston and Osage were still in the same class. Right. We were both 3A schools. The, the next year, Osage moved down to a 2A school. But uh, 1994, we were, we were in the same class as, as Johnston. And so uh, – how things have changed in, in 28 years. So. Uh, well, speaking of that, I uh, went to Iowa basketball camp in fourth grade for the first time. And the guy that I was uh, uh, put up with in, in, in the dorms that we stayed at when we went to basketball camp, kid was from Waukee. At the time, Osage was bigger than Waukee. Now Waukee has uh, nearly 30,000 people in the town. So just a little bit of a change as uh, Osage has dwindled down to about 3,000 people and now 30,000 people in Waukee. 
what, 30 years later? I bet you dominated that Iowa basketball game, Chris. Oh, man, I, I was I was all-star, and Chris Kingsbury said, we need, we need to get this guy a scholarship now. It didn't quite work out that way. All right, Biz, we'll do it again next week. Fun stuff. All right, go Hawks.